Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. We're returning this week to our conversations with women who qualified for the 2021 U.S. Women's Mid-Am, and this week we're talking with Christine Rohrbaugh. Christine is a Richmond native who attended the College of William and Mary and has been in and around golf for most of her life, with her father having been a professional and owning a couple of golf stores in the Richmond area. Christine shares the fascinating perspective, though, of a 30-something female golfer who works a full-time job, practices a little, and plays as much as she can, but that still only adds up to Saturdays and Sundays, and yet somehow still maintains a competitive edge. But I'll let her talk more about that. Enjoy my conversation with Christine Rohrbaugh. Christine, thank you for joining us on Golf in the Commonwealth. Um, you live in Richmond. I know a little bit about you. You probably know more about the VSGA than you even care to at this point, being that our staff member, Amanda Braun, is a roommate of yours. But tell us a little bit about, because I don't know much about you uh, other than some of your uh, playing resume, who are you and tell us a little bit about your golf story. Sure. Thanks, Matt. Uh, my name is Christine Rohrball. I've lived in Virginia my entire life. Uh, currently live here in Richmond. I'm a member at Stonehenge Country Club. I played golf uh, at the College of William & Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. After that, spent about seven years in Northern Virginia, where I started my professional career in public accounting. Um, and then eventually decided it was time to move back down to Richmond. So I've been here about the last two years. Now, how did you get into the game? How did you get into golf? So both my parents uh, played golf. Um, my dad uh, was a former, former golf pro, uh, assistant golf pro up at, at Westwood in Northern Virginia. Um, then that my my parents moved down to Richmond in the the mid 80s. Um, my dad had two golf stores here in town, one on the south side, uh, one on the west end. And so I really grew up um, hanging out at the golf store, hitting balls into the net, organizing the putters, uh, and then we'd play golf as a family on the weekends. And so I think you said that you grew up along Brander Mill Country Club and what were, you know, what are some of your earliest memories of, of golf or of playing golf with your family? Yeah. So we lived on the sixth hole at Brander Mill and, you know, I definitely remember just riding the round in the cart with my dad and he'd be playing from the black tees. So, you know, that's a course where I had to play from too. And so, you know, that probably meant I hit it, you know, five feet and then we picked it up and moved it into the middle of the fairway. Uh, and I remember at one point on number four there where, you know, I think it's probably a 25 yard carry over the water off the tee if you're going the shortest point in distance and there are some people on the other side uh, my dad let me go ahead and hit thinking it was just going to go strand the water. Uh, but I, I actually made the carry and I remember us going up there and, and apologizing to the folks in front of us. That's such a good memory because like, you know, we think so much about in, in, in a lot of aspects of the game is forced carries 
and how as you get older, forced carries are just no good and how it, when you're young, forced carries are no good. But when you're a kid, you just so badly want to hit the ball over water. It's just such a marker in your beginning of golf that you cleared the water and 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 you did that at the time when like no one was kind of expecting it. That's really cool. That's so cool. That's such a good memory. I'm glad you I'm glad you shared that one. So how much golf were you playing when you were growing up? Was this your thing or was this, was golf one of many things? Golf was definitely one of many things. Um, I'm an only child. So, you know, I played, played all the sports just to, you know, be out around other kids too. So played basketball, was on the swim team, um, played some lacrosse softball so I played a lot of sports um you know and then it was more towards my uh kind of early teenage years when really started focusing more on golf and when when you started focusing more on golf were you playing in events and playing competitively what type of uh experience were you having with that yeah so you know I was Thinking back about this, I think my first VSGA event when I was, I think I was 10 years old uh, in the VSGA Junior Girls, uh, I think it was up in, in Harrisonburg. Um, so I think that was definitely my big first big tournament. Uh, you know, I, I remember it being a big deal because we, we traveled up there, stayed in a hotel. Um, you know, before that, it was, uh, you know, like a string and throw tournament at, at Brandon Mill, a little, you know, fun sort of things. Um, so, so I've, I'd always played, you know, ever since then, always played in a few VSGA events every, every summer at the, at the junior level and beyond. Um, like the, the MAPGA had a good tour at the time, the Titleist Junior Tour. I played in a lot of those events as well during the summers. What type of, do you remember how you played in that first junior girls? <laughs> I think probably not well. <laughs> it, it was nine holes. Um, probably would have been uh, good if I broke 50. I'm sure I had higher expectations than uh, the results that I had. <laughs> but I think it was all about just that, that learning experience there. And, you know, the first time really being on your own on the golf course because the, the parents mm-hmm. had to stay on the cart path. No, You know, you had to carry your own bag. Uh, you know, no one was really there to help you. Yeah. And so when you play through high school, are you considering trying to play in college? I don't know if you did play in college or not. Tell me about that journey. Yeah. So um, throughout high school, you know, that's when I really focused in on golf. I, I played some JV basketball as well, but, you know, being five foot two, that's not really in your, your future cards. Um, so in high school, I played uh, both on the, the St. Christopher's and on the St. Catherine's golf team. We, we were just in the process of starting a team at St. Catherine's uh, while, I, while I was there. Um, and then played played in VSJ events in the summer and some of the, the winter tours. Uh, I think it was like the future collegiate tour um, over the winter. And, you know, through playing in those tournaments, that's when, 
you know, I started looking at, at various schools to play for. Um, and William & Mary was just a great fit for me that it was in-state, pretty close to home. Uh, and you can't go to a you know a better area of the state with so many great golf courses to play, too. Yeah, exactly. So tell me about, let's talk a little bit about your college college playing and what was what was that like um you know i I, college is for those of us that had the opportunity to play college golf it's you know you wish you could still do it because to be able to get in a van every week or so in the fall and go with friends to go play a golf tournament and just eat mcdonald's or i mean every every school's budget's different but um, to be able to eat fast food and, you know, not, you know, you say you're going to study, you take your books, but I mean, whether or not, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to implicate myself too much here as to, <laughs> as to what I did, but it's so much, it's so great. And so, but talk a little bit about that and how, how that, how that journey went for you. So I was, I was probably the person in the front seat of the van that, you know, had the accounting textbook open do, doing the problem sets while we rolled down 95. Uh, but, you know, those four years were just such a great time of my, my life. Um, you know, having the opportunity, you know, especially as a female where there's really not that many people who play golf competitively. So to have, you know, eight to... 11 girls who all share kind of a similar passion that you do in golf to be around them all the time is pretty awesome. Um, and just the friends that you make both in you know competition and on our own team, those are a lot of friendships that, that have lasted. Uh, I was in, I was in my best friend was uh, wedding as the maid of honor uh, about a month ago, my, my teammate from William and Mary, uh, you know, eight, nine years later now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, I look back at, at those memories that I made with the other girls on the team, uh, even more, more importantly than some of the golf that was played. Do you think you still play a lot competitively? Um, do your teammates from William and Mary play as much? Are they, have, are they still involved with the game? I would say I I play more so than a lot of a lot of them competitively, and you know I think part of it in in college, you know, I I played a lot of golf swing versus honest you know versus playing golf, uh, and you know it took me a bit more time to mature and realize that the best way to play golf is you know not thinking about your golf swing, just trying to get the ball in the hole, and you know plan each hole, figure out the most efficient way, way to do it. It doesn't matter, you know, how far you're hitting it that day or how, how pretty some of the shots look. And so I think for me, a lot of it is the fact that I still have an opportunity post-college to continue to get better and avenues where I can still compete and, you know, show that, that, uh, my game is continuing to improve. Um, so I think a lot of it too is while not being, you know, the, uh, the best college player, um, it's given me motivation to still continue playing um, and improving. Do you think you're better now than you were when you were in college? I do. 
Um, yeah. And, and with a lot less effort, too. <laughs> right. Right. Talk about you mentioned a couple of things that I really want to that I really want to go a little deeper on is that idea of playing golf swing versus golf. How was that happening to you? Do you remember sort of specifics of that? But also because I'm I'm just genuinely curious about that because I I do think you can succeed on the golf course while playing golf swing. I think it's harder, mm-hmm. but I don't but I don't know. And I'd have to circle back and have Dr. Bob Rotella back on to, <laughs> to sort of crack into him a little bit more. But just tell me about your experience with that. Yeah. I mean, I think I would be over the ball sometimes thinking, all right, you know, turn the hip, turn the shoulders, do that going through versus, oh. um, you know, I want to aim at the tree at this particular leaf you know beyond 20 yards beyond the green uh and just getting caught up in the thought process of if I don't make this perfect swing too then where could the ball go um and I think that's kind of the biggest key is I think a lot of times in college I was too worried about the the results of what happens if you don't make that perfect swing versus just focusing on what do I want to do? Where do I want to hit, hit the ball? Mm-hmm. And trust that you, it's your good mechanics and, and game that has gotten you to where you are that's going to produce a result that's in play. Exactly. And I think, you know, it just took took me a little bit longer to, you know, kind of come to grasp with that and, and that epiphany to, mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you are still playing a lot and you felt like you have a lot of opportunities to play. I I always, when, when I have the opportunity to talk to women on the podcast, especially women who are in your situation, like we, like we've been with the last, the last few episodes with um, Andrea Miller, we still have Alexandra Austin yet to come out and uh, already talked to Lauren Greenleaf you know, how do we get the women that you played college golf with who played division one college golf clearly have uh, a a level of skill for the game that most don't, that are going to take some time to pick up. How do we get them to come back and play more? I mean, I know that everyone's in different situations with, with family and career, but you know, when, when you talk to them, do you, do you get a sense of them being envious of them, the amount that you're playing or missing that they, you know, what they had competitively? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think, I think there is definitely some burnout and fatigue that comes, um, after college golf, uh, for, for some folks and then other folks decide, you know, to go on and try to pursue things at the professional level as well uh so i think that that's part of it the i think the other thing is you know it's tough to take three days off of work um you know to play in a tournament so i think the more opportunities of weekend tournaments shorter tournaments you know late afternoon you know nine hole ways to get folks together 
hopefully that's something that, you know, would get get more mid-ams playing again post-college. Um, and then there's obviously, you know, a cost that comes too. Um, golf's obviously, you know, a fairly expensive sport. And when you're just starting out in your career, you know, it, it's that's something that you have to commit to if that's something that you want to pursue, that that's where you want to, you know, allocate not just your time, but, you know, some of your money too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I forgot to mention that when you went to college, you were also, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you were also a recipient of a VSGA VIP scholarship. I was. That's awesome. Do you recall? This is a tough question because I know it always means more to the parents (laughs) than it often means to the student. But what receiving support like that meant as you went off to college because college is obviously it's expensive. Yeah. And I think, you know, any little piece that helps you fund that and get there is obviously, you know, greatly appreciated. Uh, I remember the scholarship, you know, day, I think it was out at Salisbury. Uh, I think Rose Hunter and Meg Gilmer were there handing out the awards. Um, and it was just cool to be with this group of, of other students from around the state um, that were all going off. You know, we have so many great schools here in Virginia that, that were all going off to these various colleges. Um, and the fact that the VSJ was helping us do that and golf was a part of all of our lives, you know, that was just really cool. Um, and, and there's another girl there from St. Catharines who she wasn't going to play golf collegiately, but she was on the team in high school and, you know, golf meant something to her and that was going to help her too, uh, you know, achieve her, her higher education goals. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's powerful to see how, how that type of support can help such a diverse group of well-deserving students to go in their respective directions uh, in their education who are going to do amazing things uh, in the world. Talk a little bit about the balance that you've found as a professional accountant and uh, golf, and then we'll transition into uh, Berkeley Hall and your experience at the U.S. Women's Mid-Am. But I'm curious to hear now how you, I don't want to call it work-life balance because no one likes that term, but let's call it integrate of work life or, or let's say golf work integration. Sure. Um, so, you know, it is nice working in public accounting that there is a fair amount of flexibility in terms of, you know, when do I get my work done? When can I take vacation. Uh, I, I work in, in tax, so there are you know a few days around the 15th where n- not ideal to take off. Um, but the, you know the flexibility that I have in public accounting is, is huge. Um, the fact that I can it, you know if I have a tournament coming up and I need to get some work done over the weekend to prepare for you know four hours off, each day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I can do that. Um, and then, you know, quite honestly, I usually do some work uh, in the afternoon after a tournament, after the round. 
uh, most, <laughs> most every tournament that I play in. Um, so the fact that I can, can work on the road too, that's always, always a big help. Mm, that's great. That's great. Good for you. Good for you. You were that kid in the front row on the, <laughs> on the, uh, William and Mary golf bus. <laughs> I totally buy that. So let's talk a little bit about your summer this year. Um, you also, I don't want to miss this, but you won the Richmond Women's Golf Association's amateur this year, defeating Booty McGurn. Um, talk, talk a little bit about about that tournament. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, I was trying to go into the week kind of under the radar with low expectations, but then got a call from Victor at the Richmond Times-Dispatch uh, a couple weeks before the tournament to do an interview there. So it was kind of uh, the story started to unfold, you know, early, early in the week too. Uh, I, I had won the tournament back in uh, 2008, right after graduating from high school. Um, and so this was my first time playing and again, after moving back from, from back to Richmond, uh, okay. so, so trying to go into the week with low expectations under the radar, uh, didn't quite work out that way, but, uh, was paired with Joanne Katuski in the, the qualifying round, which uh, I've known Joanne for a long time and we always, have fun together, play well together on the course. Uh, so started with that and then just uh, picked my way through the week after the first round. It, it's match play from there on out. Um, and, you know, the great thing about golf in Richmond is we have so many great golfers here who I see in the, the VSGA circle as well. Uh, so played with Joanne and then Lindsay Wortham and Booty McGurn. Uh, all these ladies who I really look up to, um, I've played on, on Virginia Carolina teams with, I see, you know, at all the state stroke play events, um, that, you know, I admire them and, and think of them as my friends too. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of great ambassadors in, in that, in that group that you mentioned. So now let's talk a little bit about uh, Berkeley Hall. You qualified to go to the U.S. Women's Mid-Am that was held at Berkeley Hall. Now you qualified through the Country Club of Fredericksburg, um, and you earned the final spot in that in that qualifying field. Tell me about your qualifying round. It was sure. a 77, I think. <laughs> um, and so I had... Failed to qualify at the same at Fredericksburg a few years prior, so was trying to go you know into the into the qualifying round um, with the with a clean slate and you know not thinking about some of the the mistakes that I had made in the past there at, at Fredericksburg. Um, started off the first hole kind of duck hooked it a bit into uh, towards number two green there. So not the best first tee shot, but, you know, just tried to stay calm there. Bogey on the first hole, you know, isn't, isn't going to throw the round. Um, and so ended up bogeying the first hole, but birdieing the second one to pull it back together. Um, and so I had, I had a great group. I played with Alex Austin um, and then another gal, gal Haley, who, 
uh, is from North Carolina, so, so I've known her for a while as well. So, you know, it helped that we had a good group. I had Phil, my boyfriend, uh, on the bag caddying for me. Uh, I think he might have been just as nervous in his uh, USGA caddying debut, <laughs> uh, you know, making sure he, he pulled the flag when he was supposed to. Um, so I think I had a pretty solid front nine. Um Got in a, into a little trouble on the back nine with a few squirrely shots, but ended up making a, a few pars coming down the stretch um, to, to still get in. Did you, were you following at all where you stood uh, in the home stretch of the round? I, I was not. Uh, I, I don't really like to know, to know what's happening. Um mm-hmm. To, to know if I need to birdie a hole or not. So was just trying to play my game and, and keep making as many pars as I could. And if a birdie happens, you know, that's great. But, you know, I think particularly in those sort of qualifiers, it's it's all about avoiding the big numbers too, as much as anything. Yeah. So you move on from Fredericksburg Country Club to now to go to Berkeley Hall in the U.S. Women's Mid-Am. Was this your first time qualifying? It was not. It was actually my third time qualifying. Okay. And how did the previous two uh, championships go? Uh, So I've yet to make match play in one of them, but I think, you know, each time I learn something new that I can, you know, take away and apply, you know, to the next championship I tried to qualify for. Um, And it, it was fun being at Berkeley Hall and that, you know, down in Bluffton, South Carolina, it was drivable, which was great versus mm-hmm. uh, trying to make, uh, you know, flights and, and trips that way. Um, the the previous mid-am I played in was in Flagstaff, Arizona, and just kind of oh, what, wow. a, what a contrast it was from being at elevation in Arizona than to, to being at the beach uh, in Berkeley Hall. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your preparation for this championship. Any, any particular things you recalled as having learned or, you know, most of those I would imagine are just kind of internal and just trying to stay the course and trust your game. But how did you, how did you get ready for this? Yeah, I was, I was working on my putting a little bit. That, I don't know how much help that did once I got on the slick greens there <laughs> at, at Berkeley Hall. Um, but, you know, I, I honestly don't practice very much. I think it all kind of comes back to that work, work-life work integration there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, play, I play pretty much Saturday, Sunday, every weekend. Uh, and just that, that playing is really uh, the practice for me yeah um and and maybe working on a few things um while i'm on the course any particularly uh particular memorable moments from from the round where you really held it in there and you know things could have gotten could have gotten worse or um you held it together i know the scores weren't weren't what you wanted and didn't advance to match play but what were some of the positives that you were able to take out of it yeah i think i made a good birdie making the, I guess uh, I get confused, uh, 
since you start on different tees each mm-hmm. time. But I think making the turn from 10 back to one on the second day, uh, birdied that hole, saw a putt go in. I think, you know, that really helps. Once you see one of those putts go in, um, it, it helps to, to open up the floodgates sometimes. So I think that birdie was pretty motivating uh, to just try to finish strong and the fact that, you know, you never know what's going to make the cut. Um, so to, to not get, get too down after, you know, if you're on the bogey train for a few holes, um, just sometimes that par one more birdie will keep you going. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that was great is I, I had a really good group. Um, the one gal, Scotland, it was it was her first mid-am. I think she had just turned 25. And then the other gal, Melissa, she, she was from Texas. And, like, the crazy enough, she does state and local tax for another big four public accounting firm. And <laughs> so, you know, we were going down the fairway talking about – k1s and uh anything under the sun in terms <laughs> uh in terms of tax so i think the fact that the midam just lets you meet so many other people from across the country some of which you have so much in common with uh others not so much um and you get paired with the same group you know, two days in a row, I think we, we had a good time and, and Melissa did really well. She advanced to match play. So it was fun, you know, watching her later in the week too, uh, tracking her online along with, you know, all my other friends from Virginia. That's really special. Yeah. Let's, let's wrap up by saying, touching on something that Andrea Miller had touched on was, but what a, the great sense of community that it is. And you mentioned following along, your friends from Virginia who had played well and cheering them on, but the other friends that you had made just touch on a little bit, that sense of that, that community and camaraderie of uh, cheering on one another. Yeah. Um, And so I guess after the tournament, uh, I was staying with my family in Sea Pines and Lauren was in Sea Pines as well. Uh, so we would go for a walk on the beach and, and meet her uh, kind of after the, the work day was done since I went back <laughs> back to work later in the week there. Um, you know, and just cheering Lauren on and Andrea and, uh, and Mariah, Alex, the rest of the girls, they're just all, you know, great friends of mine that we've either grown up, grown up together or I think, you know, Mariah, Mariah moved, um, pl- played down in North Carolina in college and then came back up to Virginia. So, you know, all these girls that I've either played junior golf with or, or Andrea's a bit newer to Virginia golf, um, to follow them and, and cheer them on and get the same support from them. Um, it is just great. And I imagine that you're able to really communicate with one another over text or call or just, you know, just knowing that that support is there, but sort of to span the season and to cover the off season to keep one another going and enthusiastic about what's still to come. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm going up uh, this weekend. I'm going to gonna see Lauren up in Northern Virginia. Uh, so I'm sure we'll have a good time. That's awesome. 
Well, Christine, thank you so much for finding the time to join us and to share a little bit about your golf story and your time in the U.S. Women's Mid-Am this year. This being your third one you've qualified for. And I just look forward to seeing more of you around Richmond, but also around VSGA events as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth, and big thanks to Christine Rohrbaugh. The 2021 season is coming to an end, and be on the lookout, please, for ways to renew your VSGA membership in 2022, or visit your VSGA member club to make sure they renew you in the new year. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the fairway soon.